chapter 3, verses 1 to 24. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So, I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Read that far from God's holy word. The, the sorrows of the city became the sorrows of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Notice the perspective of Lamentations chapter 3 is individual and personal. There are almost 40 references to I, me, and my, such as verse 1, I am the man who has seen affliction. Many examples from verses 2 to 18 of what God has done to me And then verse 24, what my soul says about God compared to what my soul says in verses 17 and 18. Again, it's an individual perspective on the suffering of a whole community of the city of Jerusalem. Jeremiah seems to be a man who was delegated to, by God, to carry in his person all that the people were experiencing in the falling city. Their sorrows were Jeremiah's sorrows, and so he became God's weeping prophet. And it points us, of course, to Christ, doesn't it? You thought of it right away, the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, who carried our sorrows, language out of Isaiah 53, 3 and 4. So here in Jeremiah's personal response to suffering, his personal response to God in his suffering He offers a guide to each of us, to each person walking through this broken world, how to cope. He offers perspective to every inhabitant of Jerusalem how to cope with suffering. It brings us to our main point. During hardships, we are lovingly led by our faithful God 
to a breakthrough of finding hope again. Catastrophes in our communities can cause suffering for many, and what this passage forces us to remember is that suffering is always felt by individual persons within said community. And we each need help relating to God during hard times. So we'll see, number one, how hardships feel. They feel dark, they feel overwhelming, and they feel hopeless. There's a lot of that, verses 1 through 18. Then there'll be a breakthrough, verses 19 to 21, a breakthrough to hope as we appeal to God to see our hardships, call to mind the truth about God, and reinterpret our hardships, daring to hope again. And then our third point, verses 22 to 24, easily the most famous words out of the book of Lamentations, reinterpretation that the Lord is all we need for hope and comfort during our hardships. So here we go. Verse 1. The format of chapter 3 is just like chapters 1 and 2. For the one section is 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, each gets a section. But the difference here in chapter 3, unlike chapters 1 and 2, is that each letter of the Hebrew alphabet gets three verses. Uh, That is exactly 66 verses, and you can glance down, it's true. It's an elaborate structure, is my point. And verses 22, 23, and 24 are one segment, one section. They stand together. The whole thing is meant to be one topic. It's the center of the book of Lamentations. It's the key to us in our times of difficulty and understanding. So they stand together, verses 22, 23, and 24. We'll drive to that, but we have a lot to get through dark and difficult things on our way. The the content of chapter 3 is still on the topic of suffering, just as chapters 1 and 2 were, but it starts off individual, as I've already said. Moves back to communal, if you'll read later the rest of the chapter. So the individual suffering of Jeremiah is before us, and it points ahead to the individual suffering of another. Uh, For Jesus suffered for the community of sinners, and so this chapter has similarities to other classic passages that talk about one individual that actually point ahead to another individual, the Lord Jesus. Think Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, which is then pointing us easily to Jesus. Or Psalm 22, the forsaken one, who then points us ahead to Jesus, who cries that out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a passage like those, just that classic, just that profound. It opens with the statement, I am the man who has seen affliction. So within the suffering of the falling city of Jerusalem, there was a suffering of a man. One single person we're asked to focus on now, and he is telling us from his own perspective, and the man is Jeremiah. He provides us with a series of snapshots, as if he's taking pictures and showing us the pictures. A series of pictures of the distress caused by the hand of his God on his city, on his nation, on his people, and on himself. Verse 1, he says, he is under the rod of God's wrath. Verse 2, he's being driven into darkness. Verse 3, God's hand, which of course is ordinarily seen as a hand of blessing, is turned against him, and he senses that in verse 3. Verse 4, God had caused him sickness, which was so severe it would likely result in his death. When we remember that this same prophet, the prophet Jeremiah, had been thrown into a well, Jeremiah chapters 37 and 38, we better understand the next verses. His poetic hinting here in Lamentations 3, verses 5 through 9, 
indicate being inside of a confined area and having been thrown in there. Verse 5, God has enveloped me with bitterness. Verse 6, God made me dwell in darkness. Verse 7, he walled me about so that I cannot escape. Verse 8, though Jeremiah's reaction would be to pray, to call to God for help, there were times when even prayer was blocked for Jeremiah. Again, it lines up with the book of Jeremiah in which there were times when God forbid Jeremiah from praying for the people. Remember, such as Jeremiah chapter 7, 11, and 14. So we get, we understand what Jeremiah is writing here in verse 8, that God shut out his prayer. And lastly, this cistern or well image is in verse 9 where he hints at the well that God has blocked my way with blocks of stones. Overall, he has given us repeated mention of darkness, repeated mention of being trapped, physical pain leading to deep frustration and approaching despair. It was, if it was not when Jeremiah was physically in the cistern, it was certainly a time when it felt like he was spiritually. God did not answer Jeremiah's prayer. Let that stand out to us. So now Jeremiah descends further through a set of changing pictures in which God becomes more violent against our prophet Jeremiah. God becomes the predator and Jeremiah the prey. Verses 10 and 11, that God was first a bear, then a lion, lying in wait for me, says Jeremiah, hiding, coming out of hiding and tore me to pieces and made me desolate. Verses 12 and 13, suddenly God became a hunter. Change a picture. Now God's a hunter with bow and arrow and Jeremiah is the target. God's arrows in verse 13 went into Jeremiah's kidneys, which today we would say pierced my heart. Having both a physical and emotional meaning tied to them on purpose. Then in verse 14, Jeremiah wrote of laughter and taunts of the people all day long, which matches the experiences of Jeremiah in chapter 16 of his book where the community was laughing at him. Again, from the book of Jeremiah, we know that the prophet Jeremiah got very discouraged he got very down, which matches verse 15 here, where Jeremiah was forced to eat repulsive food, such as the bitter plant or herb we call wormwood, a menu that seems poetically well-paired for his bitter experiences. In verse 16, God made him grind his teeth on gravel and lay down in ashes. And here the hopelessness of the writer reaches rock bottom where he lost peace or well-being that should be his always because he follows a covenant God and covenant relationship to him. What's happening? In verse 17, he wrote, My soul is bereft of peace, without peace. And sadly, Jeremiah testified further, I have forgotten what happiness is. It's how long it's been. I don't even know what that feels like, is what he's saying. He, he couldn't go on anymore. And his hope had died. That's not my words. He says it here in so many words. And in his hopelessness and in his darkest hour, Jeremiah wrote what seemed like his final words, seemingly from the bottom of a well, if you will, in verse 18. So I say, quote, My endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. Period. End quotation. End of verse 18. That was our first point. What is the point? Why does the Bible contain things like this? What are we supposed to take away from this? What you're supposed to realize is God sees you in your hardship 
that nobody had to tell you that hardships are hard, that they feel dark, that they are overwhelming, and hopelessness creeps in and tends to suffocate, that God knows, that his prophet Jeremiah knows, and it points ahead to our Savior who knows, Jesus knows. And we ought to be really thankful that passages like this are in the Bible because it means that our God understands and he invites us to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with him. That's why this passage is here, because hardships do feel dark and overwhelming and threaten with despair. But we need to press forward. Surely this is a good news worship service and the Bible is filled with good news. How do we move from where we are to where we need to be? Please, God, through Jeremiah, show us next a breakthrough to hope, point two. There's a change in the poem as we go from, from verse 18 to verse 19. It seems as if in the hopeless last line, as I called it, of Jeremiah, you notice the last word or the last two words, Lord of the Lord. The very mention of the name of the Lord has had a big impact, it seems, on the despairing outlook of our poet, the prophet Jeremiah. Verse 19, still Jeremiah could never forget those struggles. The taste of bitter wormwood and the gall is still with him. The bitter matching of the bitterness of life's struggles, but the Lord, his God, would not allow his weeping prophet to descend further down that despair well. So God prompted Jeremiah with a breakthrough prayer that turned his bitterness into God remembering his bitterness. Notice very carefully, very closely, verse 19, where Jeremiah asks God to remember my affliction and my wanderings the wormwood, and the gall. Jeremiah continues his breakthrough into verse 20. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope, colon, exclamation point, and it moves us into our beautiful section, verses 22 to 24. But what is this that Jeremiah called to mind? That God would remember his affliction. Here's the prophet in the well of affliction asking God to remember his affliction. That's the breakthrough. The fact that God knows, the fact that God sees, the fact that God would remember his pain, remember his affliction, even the taste of the wormwood and the gall. We need a God who would come that close, who would be willing to taste our hardships, taste the result of sin, taste the wormwood and the gall. So we appeal to God to see our hardships, A. B, we call to mind the truth about God, and C, we reinterpret our hardships, daring to hope again, which brings us to that reinterpretation. Verses 22 to 24, the Lord is all we need for our hope and comfort during our hardships. What's the key turning point here that moved Jeremiah from a downward spiral of despair to an upward and hopeful soul? It's Jeremiah's calling to mind Something that gave hopeless Jeremiah hope again. Right in his struggle. Right in his hardship. Not the change of circumstance. Not bringing him up out of the well. But right where he was to move him from hopelessness to hope again. Jeremiah tells us poetically what it is that he called to mind that made all that difference. 
and that caused Jeremiah to turn the corner. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. If I'm in a well, if I'm in approaching despair, no, I'm in despair. His mercies never come to an end. He continues into verse 23. It's all a unit. They are new every morning, the mercies of God. Great is your faithfulness. Verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Not somebody somewhere told me this, and I probably should be thinking that way. He says to his own soul, My soul says to me, I look myself in the mirror and I say, The Lord is my portion. How did Jeremiah get there? Did we miss it? How did Jeremiah call this to mind? He called to mind three verses that matched the one letter of the Hebrew alphabet, one set of three verses. This whole package is what Jeremiah now focused on instead of focusing on his pain, instead of focusing on his circumstances, instead of focusing on his predicament. Namely what? I missed it. Help me again. The unfailing love of his covenant God. The unending commitment of God to provide fresh mercy today, fresh mercy tomorrow morning. The greatness of the faithfulness of God. He can be relied upon. The source of Jeremiah's hope was the Lord God alone. All that Jeremiah needed to turn the corner was God. And Jeremiah has God. The Lord is all I have, is what Jeremiah called to mind. That's the key. That's the turning point. That is how to find God during hardships. It's the center of the book of Lamentations. It's the key thing to learn in our times of difficulty. These verses are well known to us because they're the basis of a classic hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We've sung it the last two Sundays on purpose to prepare us. And we'll sing it at the end of this worship service again today. It was written by a Christian man named Thomas Chisholm in 1923. It was not the result of some big event. That's what's so beautiful about it. It was Chisholm deciding to make observations that he had received in God's faithful care thousands of little moments of proof of God's care. Not long before his, his death, Chisholm wrote this, quote, My income has never been large at any time due to impaired health in my earlier years, which has followed me on until now. But I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God that he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care which have filled me with astonishing gratefulness. End quote. Thomas Chisholm, the author of Great is Thy Faithfulness. He was calling to mind the exact same thing as Jeremiah, of course, borrowing his words. Both men, Thomas Chisholm, Jeremiah, believed the truth and called that truth to mind and heart. Both men wrote the same ideas. Both had suffered great hardships for many years. Neither man abandoned their confidence in God's faithfulness. How? They had suffered so much, so consistently, that they reached a changing point when they gained this key. The ability to notice and appreciate Little mercies that God gives every single day that prove the undergirding truth of his love for us. If underneath are God's everlasting arms, then it will show itself again and again throughout every single day. The ability to see that and to conclude from the little things the big thing 
is what Chisholm and Jeremiah had. The little daily mercies prove the great big love of God, his covenant being kept. Both Chisholm and Jeremiah had true sorrows that caused them to weep. And their sorrows pushed them back to God. Both men noticed that God's character of his faithful love created in them character of faith to believe in this God even now. Both Chisholm and Jeremiah rediscovered God during their hardships, and that's how they found hope in during their hardships. Both noticed that the little daily mercies of God are plural. With each day, Chisholm in the early 1900s experienced fresh compassion from God, daily supplying fresh needs through God's mercy. Jeremiah in the 500s BC experienced fresh compassion from God daily through fresh supplies of God daily, whether in the well or outside the well, whether being mocked or not. In between Chisholm and the ancient Jeremiah came another man, Apostle Paul in the year 60 AD, who experienced fresh compassion from God daily through fresh supplies of God daily. We have an ancient example. We have a pretty old example. We have a 1920s example. Listen to how Paul says every Christian in every age can expect this to happen during our hardships. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. So here in Lamentations, Chapter 3, verse 23, the prophet poetically addressed God personally and directly. And what did Jeremiah say? Great is your faithfulness. Is my soul ready to say, in the middle of my hardship, in the middle of my pain, great is your faithfulness? In the process of remembering how faithful God is, Jeremiah was daily pulled back into a living fellowship with his faithful God. He, he talked with God. He walked with God. If there was room to walk in the well, maybe not. And other days he walked with God and received from God his daily needs almost as if God were right there with him at rock bottom, handing over a bag of whatever's needed for today. Jeremiah didn't simply list out God's character traits as we might expect a good theologian to do. But Jeremiah praised God for those traits, which we would expect every worshiper to do. He trusted God to be consistent tomorrow because Jeremiah had come to trust God's consistency for yesterday and for today. In fact, Jeremiah looked back and, and saw God's consistency through a lot of his days in his own personal observation. And we have a word for that a word for trusting God to be consistent tomorrow based on the confidence of how he's behaved in the past. That word is hope. Verse 21, I call this to mind, therefore I have hope. I call this to mind, therefore I have hope. What did he call to mind? God will not let me down tomorrow. I say this to my soul every day, all day long. God will not let me down tomorrow. That's hope. That's hope. And nothing can happen to us without God's knowledge, without his permission, without his beautiful sanctifying purposes at play. 
And should hardships come, should hardships deepen, should hardships persist, patiently and without protest, I will trust in the God of mercies to bring good out of this evil. Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You could write that on the stones at the base of the well. What have we seen during hardships? We're lovingly led by our faithful God to a breakthrough of finding hope again. Do we know how to lament like Christians in order to cope with hardships? In our passage, God gave us a quick lesson to lament. There's three steps that go along the lines of the sermon outline. Number one, lamenting means it's okay to admit we're in pain. Just don't get stuck there. Number one, lamenting means it's okay to admit that we're in pain. Just don't get stuck there. That's verses 1 to 18. Lament comes from pain. Lament is pain being expressed in prayer. Poetically, not poetically, just ugly. Pain being expressed. Remind yourself that hardships can feel dark, overwhelming, and hopeless. That's truth. And give yourself permission to feel what your circumstances push you to feel. It's okay to be a normal, healthy human with an emotional response to be down and to be discouraged about it because it stinks. God sees it. Jeremiah felt it. Jesus himself felt it. It's our pathway through a broken world. The Psalms are full of pain because the Psalms are full of laments. Hardships are hard. Just don't get stuck there. So number one, lamenting means it's okay to admit we're in pain, just don't get stuck there. Number two, lamenting means we dare to keep hoping during our hardship until a breakthrough. Keep going until a breakthrough. Lamenting means we dare to keep hoping during our hardships until a breakthrough. This is verses 19 to 21. How do we do that? Keep praying. Keep reading the scriptures, moving toward God until we have a breakthrough. The ABC subpoints under Sermon Point 2. Appeal to God to see our hardships. Do you see this, Lord? I need you to see this. You can pray like that. It's a really good prayer. It's a lamenting prayer. It's moving forward towards God. B, call to mind the truth about God. Put your own thoughts in the line of truth. Am I thinking correctly about this? Do I still have a God? Is he on the throne? Does he have mercy? Is he in charge of all things? Put your mind on the pathway of truth and see, reinterpret. Reinterpret your hardship because in our sinful nature, we'll get ourselves down this negative bad pathway. But in our true godly lamenting, we'll get ourselves down God's true pathway of thinking, which leads to our third application, the last application point based on the third point of this sermon. Lamenting means we keep reinterpreting our hardships in the light of our solid hope in God. That's verses 22 to 24, the ones that we're coming to love. In these three verses, we have one of the Old Testament's best expressions of hope and faith during hardship. The writer has placed himself on that pathway towards the characteristics of God that are always true. And if they're always true, then they're true right now, on my dark day, when I feel discouraged and trapped. He starts with love. In verse 22, this is a covenant love of God, steadfast love. It's the first quality of God mentioned for the rediscovery of hope during hardships. 
How can God change over from the one that we just read was attacking us, a bear, a lion, an archer? He trapped me in a well. How do we go from the God who was trapping me in this, an enemy of mine, to the God who's now saving me, who's with me, his steadfast love? How can I turn from God expressing wrath to God expressing steadfast love? Will the real God please stand up? How do those hold together? How can God move from executing his justice to showing his daily mercies that never come to an end? The answer is only at the cross. God cannot destroy his covenant people because he loves us. But because he's holy, he must mete out his justice and his wrath. One has to die. One has to take our place. One has to receive the justice, the wrath, the judgment of God. The Lord Jesus Christ takes what's ours. He descends into the well. He descends into the grave, is buried for us. The covenant love arises out of the heart of God, and that's what makes the steadfastness of his love. It's what makes the consistency of God. It's what makes the, the covenant of love of God a trustworthy one, when, even when viewed in a skewed way because I'm viewing it through tears. Even with a circus mirror, tears, looking at it, I still see the clear message of his love for me. I can't miss that. The covenant love is what leads us back to the cross of Jesus. The cross Jesus gives his life for us, best demonstration of love there is in all of history. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's where love is best seen. It's where God shows it on full display. Lamentations 3.23 says that because the love and mercy of God are the central characteristics of God, they have to be seen by me in my hardship, during my hardship, always on display, so do I see them. Every day, the love of God can be discovered. Every morning, the mercy of God can be known and experienced afresh within that day, even during hardships. Jeremiah wrote here, the Lord's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The center of his recovery. It's where lament takes us. It's the value of lamenting to get us back to the heart of the God of grace. Lamenting is absorbing the gospel despite my pain. Don't let pain block you from absorbing God's gospel and his grace. Those who have sinned, those who have become afflicted because of their sin may always return to the Lord God to put our trust in him again for our acceptance by him, for the cleansing of our sins, for the recovery of our lives, for our needed refreshing. He's faithful. He's unchanging. His love for us is the one thing you can always count on. And what's the result? Lamenting in our deep well teaches us that God is all we need. He says to us, you asked me to see your pain. I see you. I'm asking you to see the pain of my son. You see the pain of my son, then you see my love. Deal? Verse 24 should always be read together with verses 22 and 23. Because verse 24 is the application of the truth of God's character of love to ourselves. So verse 24, the Lord is my portion says my soul. My soul sang it to me. My soul sang it in honesty. 
my soul saying it because I believe it. The Lord is my portion. Translate that in real English. God is all I need. And I have God. I'm living a good life. That's where we can get through lament. Whatever the circumstances, circumstances haven't changed one bit. And I can now say in my soul, to myself, I'm living a good life because the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. Lamenting means we can reach a point of hopelessness and despair. But even there, find that God is upholding us. God is reaching out for us. God is rescuing us and bringing us to a place of hope. A place where our souls can once again say, the Lord is my portion. He is all I need. Let's pray. Father, teach us to lament in order to bring